Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Journey into Passion with Anike S. on Everyday Folks Radio. It's 3 p.m. on October 21st, and I am your host, Anike S. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to what I always hope will be an hour of inspiration and encouragement for all of us as we continue on our journeys into our passions. I hope you will hear something today that will challenge the way you normally do things so that you will take your journey to the next level. Before we begin, please remember those in need. To help those who, are, who lost their homes in California fires, the hurricane victims in Puerto Rico, Texas, Florida, Louisiana, the U.S. Virgin Islands, you can donate to the disaster relief efforts by going to GoFundMe.com, G-O-F-U-N-D as in David, M as in Mary, E.com, and search for disaster relief. Any amount that you can donate will help those in need. Just do a little research before donating to ensure that your money is going to those who really need it. And I will make sure that I will post some information on my Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash Journey into Passion with Anike S. That way it can help you um, get the information that you need. Tune in tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear Billy Jones's Paranormal Hour on BJ Speaks, and don't forget the ladies of Keeping Up With K-Pop on Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can see everything, everyday folks, and get your copy of Billy's book and upcoming work on his site at www.billypauljones.com. For more information on any of our shows, go to blogtalkradio.com slash everydayfolksradio. And you can also go to my page at www.facebook.com slash Journey to Passion with Anike S or my blog at AnikeMadison.com to get show information and anything else that I mentioned on the show. I'm going to mention a lot of different things on the show. And, of course, you know me. I'm a one-stop shop, so I will have it on my social media as well. Also, make sure to go to BlackTongueClothing.com to read the latest entries on Black Tongue Chronicles. Creator and owner of Black Tongue Clothing, Capri Johnson, and I have made a shift on the post and would love to hear your feedback. Also, don't forget to check out her shirts. She recently increased her line, so make sure that you check them out and make your purchase. And next week, make sure you come on back because I will have a conversation with certified fitness specialist and aerobics instructor Cheryl Mullen. During this transformation series that's going on for this month, Cheryl will help us help us have a healthy holiday season. She's going to help us kick it off in the right way. So if you're in the middle of learning how to live a healthy lifestyle while transforming your body and you don't want to lose your momentum during the holidays, then make sure that you tune in next week because that show is for you. Now today's discussion is about handling major devastating life changes. And these changes can happen right when you're right in the middle of following your passion. And the conversation will also include how to control your mental state during your efforts to transform your life. This topic is, of course, perfect for this transition series. And today I'm going to be joined by mental health counselor and private practice owner Candace Epps Jackson. Candace owns and operates the Thomasville Counseling, Consulting, and Coaching Practice. And the mission is to provide exceptional mental health services, consultations, and health coaching while helping you on your journey towards optimal living and assisting your organization with with living out its true mission. Candace is a wife and mother who is not only a business owner, but she's also a licensed professional, okay, a licensed professional counselor, entrepreneur, consultant, doctoral candidate, speaker, presenter, and believer who is purpose-driven and loves life. You can see more on Candace and her consulting practice by going to www.t as in Tom, c as in Charlie, the number three on online.com, 
or her Facebook page at facebook.com slash tc3online. You can also follow her on Instagram and Twitter by going to at tconline.com. And, of course, as I said before, I'm going to have all this information on my social media. Now, if you have any questions during the show, please call 347-539-5372, press the number one on your keypad, and let us know when you are ready to make your comment or ask your question. And, of course, I'm monitoring the emails at anikepassionjourney at gmail.com. All right. So, Ms. Candace, let's see if we can bring you on. Ms. Candace, are you there? Hey, how you doing? Yes. I'm well. How about yourself? I'm doing great. I'm very excited to have you here. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Thank you for having me. All right, let's get into it because we have a lot to talk about. Now, I always like to begin um, the show by helping our listeners get to know the guests. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to begin with the, the question about your, your home life. And um, I see yeah. that you're married to your high school sweetheart, and you're the parent yes, of a young son. Yeah, so tell us more yes. about that. So my husband and I um, were friends all the way back in middle school, believe it or not. Um, And in fact, we went to a pretty diverse school. Um, However, in the academically and intellectually gifted classrooms, there weren't many African-American students. And so for me, at times it was sort of isolating, um, but at other times it was also motivating for me. I also grew up around a lot of the same students that I was separated from um, at school. So at home, in my grandmother's neighborhood, we would play, have fun. They were my friends. But then at school, we oftentimes, I didn't oftentimes get to spend time with them unless it was at recess or things like that. Nonetheless, I began to look up to um, the guy who would eventually become my husband. Um, He was two years older than me. I saw him as being kind of the male version of myself. He was able to kind of navigate both worlds. He was able to be true to himself while still being really smart and, you know, um, still having close relationships with the the folks from the neighborhood. Um, And he really kind of took me under his wing and began to mentor me. So it developed initially as a friendship. Um, Mm -hmm. And then once I went to ninth grade, and he was a junior by that point, I found out that he liked me. And I thought, oh, no, (laughs) like I was determined that I was not going to have a boyfriend my freshman year in high school and that I was just going to be all about the books. And little did I know he had a different plan. So we began to date then. I was 14 and he was 15. Um, And so... We began to date, and we dated all throughout high school and all throughout college, went to different colleges, but all throughout college, and we got married two weeks after I graduated from college. Um, And then we started a family the next year, and and, um, we've been together ever since. And so we have a a wonderful kid, Jay, who keeps us on our toes and keeps us busy. We're we're actually just getting back home and settled from a soccer game earlier today. Um, He's really involved in athletics and violin and school and and so he keeps us busy but also helps us to be well-rounded and and brings us lots of joy that's really my family in a in a nutshell awesome that's awesome now in business you're a licensed professional counselor and so tell us about this background and why you decided that this was going to be your life's work yeah so i didn't always know this would be my life's work in fact when i was much younger and I'll bring this up when we talk about devastating life changes. Um, but when when I was younger, um, I was diagnosed with a heart condition at seven. And it wasn't, you know, a major heart condition um, initially, we didn't think. But then it kind of developed into more than that. And they said, you know, you won't be able to have kids. And, and um, you know, I was just fine with that. I was really a nerd. So I thought I'll just do this whole school thing. And then I decided... Um, well, since everyone tells me I'm smart and I should be a doctor, I'll just go and I'll be a doctor, right? And so I decided mm-hmm. I'll be a pediatric cardiologist. And I thought that was my life's purpose. I really did. But I think I had been trapped into thinking that because so many times we we tell our bright youngsters that they should be physicians or lawyers. And so um, I felt that I had been trapped into that because I had internalized those messages from other folks. 
and um, that was my pathway. Well, when I was in college, I quickly began to realize, well, I take that back, they told me, well, yeah, you can have children, and when I say they, I mean my physicians, my cardiologists. You can have children, but you're going to have to you're going to have to have them early on in life um, because we anticipate that this heart defect is going to get worse and it's going to need to be um, repaired, and you only need to do that after you're done having children. And so mm. I began to set with that a little bit. You know, I'm a college student. I wasn't really thinking about having a family. However, I had been in a committed relationship since I was 14, and um, by that point, my husband had already um, proposed. Um, and so I, I began thinking about it a little bit more, and I thought, you know, am I really just sticking with this whole medical thing because I feel like, you know, um, that's truly my purpose, or is it something else? And really, once I sat with that and I really began to examine my life um, and, and really try to connect with God on my calling as a believer, and I read a book called The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren, that some things mm-hmm. began to shift for me. And I decided, you know, yeah, I do think that healing is part of my life's purpose. Um um, but I also knew that educating was part of my life's purpose. And so I'm kind of last minute, I switched my major um, and um, decided to become a teacher. Well, it was in my early years of teaching high school students that I realized that I was really teaching them, but I was also trying to counsel them without any training any day at all. Um, and I was mm-hmm. learning out quickly, um, really quickly. I, instead of sending my students who were misbehaving um, to the office, I was trying to, you know, talk with them in the hallway. I was trying to establish really close personal connections with them, and I was burning out. Um, and so mm-hmm. I, while I continued on that pathway but scaled back a little bit, um, I continued on that pathway. And it was during my maternity leave with my son that I really sat and I thought, I've got to figure out what am I missing with my life's purpose? What am I missing with my life's work? Why am I not completely fulfilled? There's got to be something out here that God has intended for me to do that will allow me to, um, you know, fulfill my calling and my purpose, but also allow me to feel uh, well. You know, I don't think I need to live a life of burnout. Um, and exhaustion and overexertion. And so it was during that time, during that maternity leave um, and that searching that I, you know, literally searching online and then figuratively, you know, like soul searching that I really um, stumbled upon counseling programs. And I thought, hmm, you know, I'd never been to counseling um, but knew about it um, as a college student and really began to look into it more. And I thought, this would allow me to marry what I've been trying to do as an educator um, and as an untrained um, counselor or confidant. And mm-hmm. um, it was no looking back from that point on. I continued to teach, but I applied to um, a master's program at UNCG. I, I had no idea it was the number two ranked program in the nation. And I got in and I went, I quit teaching. Everybody told me I was crazy. Um, I quit teaching, um, and I went to work a part-time job and started, you know, on this on this pathway. And then I didn't stop there. Um, once I um, got close to finishing my master's and my EDS, because um, I added on another degree while in the program, I then decided I'm going to go and I'm going to get my Ph.D. as well. And so I just really haven't looked back. It's been a humbling and rewarding journey for me, um, but really – I know I have a lot of confirmation in knowing that I'm right where I need to be. Um, there have been numerous examples of encounters with folks, of sessions that I've had, out-of-session experiences um, that has confirmed that over and over and over again. Um, and, you know, that's another topic for another show, but um, that's really how I stumbled into counseling and, um, um, you know, how I have ended up where I am today. That is amazing. Now, speaking of exhaustion, not you know, only are you yeah. working towards your doctorate, you're handling your yeah. business, motherhood, being a wife. How are you? How do you balance that that uh, work life, that work home life? How do you do all that? Yeah. So it is definitely a lifestyle. So I tell people a lot of times when we talk about self care, we talk about it as this buzzword, or when we talk about balance. 
we talk about it as a buzzword. You know, it's just something, you know, self-care is growth night out um, tonight. Mm-hmm. And then we might not do anything else for ourselves for several months. Or um, self-care is is a massage every several months or a pedicure. And while those are definitely examples of self-care and great ways to pamper ourselves and to have that release, um, that we need, it's also important that we practice self-care in our everyday lives. And it took me a while to learn that, Anika, I'll just be honest. But it, it, it's important that we practice self-care in our everyday lives. And so that's one of the main ways that I that I handle everything. It starts really for me almost before my feet hit the floor in the morning. I speak something positive over myself. And if I catch myself mm-hmm. saying something of, oh, my goodness, it's time to wake up already or something like that, I remind myself of what a gift today is to have, you know, what a gift it is mm-hmm. for me to be able to wake up or for me to be able to go and perform my life's work um, because lots of people don't have that opportunity. Um, and I remind myself of the impact that I can have today. And so I see today as being full of potential, whether, you know, instead of it being full of regret. Um, and so mm-hmm. that really starts the day out for me. But it's simple things like that. It's simple things like when I have a free five or ten minutes at work of transition time, you know, me taking a walk, um, me getting outside, mm-hmm. me um, refueling in that way, and me engaging in some type of mindfulness or some type of self-talk for myself. And this just happens. Sometimes it's me walking into one meeting or walking out of one meeting before getting on a phone call, you know, but it's maximizing on those pockets, those little pockets of time that really allow me to ground myself, center myself, um, encourage myself even, um, to keep going and to keep pushing. Now, I definitely engage in some of the other kind of more cliche types of self-care that I just mentioned, the pampering and the um, girls going mm-hmm. out and, and family time and things like that. Those are key. I don't want to minimize those things at all. Um, but that is what allows me to prioritize family time, um, but also understand that, you know, I also have to be productive. Um, and and that, that looks different different days. Um And then the other thing I'll say, um, there are two other things. So beyond just the self-care, for me as a believer, I really have to stay grounded and understand that this this is my purpose. And I'm a firm believer in knowing that um, there's never going to be anything on my plate that I can't handle. Now, that doesn't mean that I can handle it alone. That sometimes means that I'm going to have to call on my support system that sometimes means that this good opportunity may not be a good opportunity right now and I need to kind of put it on the back burner. So it sometimes, you know, involves some strategic um, planning um, and execution, but because of my faith, it helps me to stay grounded in knowing that as long as I'm walking and on this journey towards my passion, um, that I'm going to be able to handle the things that need to be handled. Um, and then finally, I would say for me, it's really just knowing that beyond self-care and beyond my faith, it's really just knowing that sometimes I have to say no. Sometimes I have to say no to people. Sometimes I, you know, and those people may be my family members. Those people may be my girlfriends. Those people may be my husband or my son. Those people may be prospective clients. Sometimes I just have to say no, and not only do I have to say no, I have to be okay with saying no. Absolutely, absolutely. And you, you said quite a bit there, but a couple of things I just wanted to pull out of that is is um, living your purpose, living your passion, because that's what we talk a lot about on this show. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that I just, I just learned from myself and the reason why I even created this show is because once I really understood that the the, my passion is really my purpose. Um, it mm-hmm. really kind of shine a light on me, and and uh, mm-hmm. so of course, you know, this this show came out of that. And so a lot of people, you know, one of the things that people tend to forget is that you can never forget your passion. You can never put it aside because it's a part of who you are, and right. you have to you have to do it. It's not one of those option optional things. Do you agree with yes, that? Yes, you come back to it every time, even when you try to escape it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, you also are a speaker. 
And so tell our, our, yeah. view, our, our listeners how we can book you as a speaker. Yeah, so what I try to do um, is really just incorporate a lot of the emphasis on mental health, um, but I do that in some different ways. I tell folks, um, if you're interested in having me as a speaker, let's connect first, because I want to first make sure that you're going to be able to get what you want to get. Um, I'm right. not in the business of just trying to book folks just for the sake of it. And so I do a lot of presenting on self-care, uh, on wellness, on mental health diagnoses, but also as an educator um, and, and as a researcher who's looked at educational issues and diversity and multicultural um, issues related to multicultural sensitivity, I also present on those issues, whether it's in a school setting or an organizational setting. But if you're interested in having one of those consultations and, and, and looking into my speaking services, you can either contact me by phone at 336-474-9003, 336-474-9003, or you can feel free to just a little bit. Turn up your volume a little bit. We're going to use you just a little bit. Can you hear me now? Yeah, it's a little better. Okay. Okay. Um, so my number is 336-474-9003, but I can also be reached if you just go to my website, there's a contact us link, and it's much easier than me giving you my email address over the over this um, call. And that um, website is www.t, as in today, c, as in counseling, the number three, online.com. So it's tc3online.com. And there's a contact us link there. My All my contact information is there. So that's probably the best way to reach out to me. Okay, excellent. So let's, let's get into Thomasville Counseling, Consulting, and Coaching. And, of course, you just provide the uh, website for it. And so what made you decide to, to create your own practice as opposed to working for somebody else? Oh, my goodness. So it kind of goes back to what you were just saying, Anike, with when you have a passion or a purpose, you can't escape it. That's really what TC3 is. Um, It was birthed out of this um, really calling over my life. I did not see myself as having my own practice initially, um, I honestly just thought that I was going to go and get this Ph.D. and I was going to um, go and become a professor, and that's what I was going to do. And although I've done, you know, different regional, state, national conferences and presentations, and those are really fulfilling and really rewarding, I realized when I'm sitting there doing these presentations and connecting with other professionals that a lot of who I wanted to reach was never in the room. The people who I really wanted to reach were the parents or were the students themselves um, or, you know, were the families who were struggling with whatever these issues were. That's who I really wanted to reach. These are folks who are never going to come to these professional accounts. These are folks who are never going to pick up these articles from university libraries and read them. And so I felt, when could I, how could I ever reach them, right? How could I ever work with them and advocate for them? Um, and collaborate with them. And so a few years ago, the idea came to me um, while at a conference, and I came back, and I was full of energy, and I told my husband about it. Um, And specifically, the idea was to open up accounts and practice in my hometown. So a town we haven't lived in for almost 10 years, but our hometown. And my husband was kind of dismissive of it, and I was too initially because I thought, you know, I'm just not quite sure this, this will work out for lots of reasons. Well, over the period of about a year and a half, that thought, that that kind of unfulfilled dream um, kept coming back to me. Um, And it was coming back to me, but every time I would think about opening up the practice in a different place, it was clear that that wasn't meant to be, that the location was supposed to be Thomasville. Part Mm -hmm. of why I wanted to open it is because, a lot of folks in, in, in minority communities, Thomasville is really diverse. Um, lots of minorities live in Thomasville as well. But a lot of folks 
in marginalized communities um, are not aware of counseling. Um, they are not aware of counseling services, and if they are aware of counseling services, they don't really have access to quality mental health services. Um, and so a lot of times they end up kind of presenting at emergency rooms or on psychiatric wards and receiving treatment for three days and then being released and not having any consistent follow-ups or medication management. And so I, I thought, well, you know, there's a lot of hope and a lot of promise there for that. But also, Anike, honestly, it was a lot of the, a couple of years ago, a lot of the shootings of our unarmed um, black men that really hit mm. home for me. Um, and there were a lot of conversations that people were wanting to have around um, race-related issues, around really their own stressors um, and traumatizing and re-traumatizing experiences of seeing these videos floating online and people just not really knowing how to verbalize it or how to have the conversations. And a lot of it came from my own hurt. And I thought, you know, what better way um, than to bring my training and my skills and my talents not only in counseling but in consulting around multicultural issues together? Why not marry the two of those and and develop a practice? Um, and why wait until I get my Ph.D. to do that? I'm perfectly capable of, of doing that with my master's and my EDS. And so that's mm-hmm. kind of how, um, you know, the seeds were planted in me and watered and, and how we have TC3 now. Wow. So now that we know more about you and your work, um, I want our listeners to understand, because just like you touched on earlier, that you all, you had your own struggles before you actually got into this and you had your heart condition since you, were, since you said it at the age of seven. And this, of course, brings me back right into the main topic of today's show, which is handling transformation when you are transitioning yes. from the beginning of your journey towards living your passion and dealing with devastating life issues that can actually end up ruining your chances for success. And so yes. if you have any questions, um, I'm watching the board. It's 347-539-5372. And I'm watching the email at nikpassionjourney at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Questions for Candace, questions about today's subject. If you, if you have a certain issue you'd like to talk to Candace about, let us know. And um, so, Candace, if you would, um, at this time, just kind of talk, talk us through how you, were, how you dealt with having the heart surgery while you were pursuing all these different things. Yes. So I, I said earlier I was diagnosed at seven. However, mm-hmm. it's, it's very important to understand that I didn't have any limitations on my physical activity. Um, I was an active kid. I wasn't a sickly kid. You know, I don't want to give off this impression that I was in the hospital or I had all these heart procedures. No, I was an active kid with no limitations. I saw a cardiologist once a year. Um, if you know anything about valve disorders or know folks who have struggled with those, they kind of rank them at mild, moderate, and severe. Mild was mm-hmm. always ranked at mild, which is the lowest level. Um, and so, you know, I, I lived a healthy lifestyle. Um, and then um, they, they told me, the cardiologist told me that, you know, this condition is not one that heals itself. It will get worse um, throughout the years. However, when I was in my early 20s and it had never gotten worse, they gave me the green light to go ahead and have kids. Um, But they, you know, cautioned me that you probably want to do so earlier in life. Well, I had my son. Um, I'm living. I'm, I'm, I'm in a master's program. I'm pursuing a master's degree. My husband is also um, in a master's program, but he's doing his at night. I'm working full-time during the day. We had a busy, active lifestyle. I had this active toddler, and I Mm -hmm. began to realize that I was really winded whenever I would walk across campus or whenever I would walk up a flight of steps, even the steps in my own home. And I really just honestly said that it was because I was out of shape, Um, and that's that's what I thought. Um, I wasn't... um, 
deceiving myself. I really just thought I'm out of shape and I really need to get back to working out. Now, keep in mind, I was only about 120 or 125 pounds. So out of shape, not being overweight, but just that was my natural weight, you know, and and I was just thinking, I'm just out of shape. You know, I'd always been really fit and worked out. And and um, then I realized um, I start having these kind of faint spells. And, and I say that cautiously because I never fainted. But, so I, I didn't know what fainting felt like. However, I would have these spells in which I felt as if I was going to faint. And it would always be when I was sitting down and the room would kind of start shifting around me and, and um, I didn't tell my husband the first time I had one. I just kind of kept it to myself and made note of it. And the second time I was with him, uh, we were out to dinner for my grandmother's birthday, and I told him about it. And he said, if that happens again, you need to go and see your cardiologist. Needless to say, I got upset with him because I thought, why would you say I need to go see my cardiologist? Why wouldn't you just say, go and see my primary physician? Why would you just jump to cardiologist, you know? <laughs> Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I really felt like it was his intuition. Something was telling him um, that something was going on, and he, maybe he wasn't even aware of it. And so when I asked him that, he said, well, I'm not sure. I just thought it's about time for you to go anyway. Maybe you could just, you know, call call him and see if he could fit you in earlier. Because, like I said, I still went once a year to see him. Mm-hmm. So sure enough, he moved up my appointment about a month or two, and I went in and um after, you know, the examination and test found out that this condition had jumped from mild to severe um, within mm-hmm. a matter of about a year. And he was recommending me to see a cardiac surgeon at Duke University Hospital uh, Medical mm-hmm. Center. So I saw that cardiac surgeon, and the cardiac surgeon told me in January of 2013 that my condition was so bad and so unlike anything he had seen. His words were, this is not textbook at all. Um, I've been doing these surgeries. I think he had been doing surgeries for a little over 20 years. And he said, if I could operate on you tomorrow, I would. Um, Because I was under the impression that I could have another kid before the surgery. And he said, no, you can't. If I could operate on you tomorrow, I would. I was also under the impression that I could have the surgery within six months. Here I am, um, January of 2013, preparing to graduate that May with my master's and my EDS um, with a um, three-year-old son at the time. And um, my husband and I are both, you know, in, in our programs, pushing through, and then I'm preparing to um, I'm already applying and interviewing the interview process for doctoral programs in counseling. Um, And Mm. so talk about pursuing your passion and life being turned upside down, this was it. And, um, you know, people were asking me, what are you doing? Why are you still applying to, why are you still interviewing for for doctoral programs? You know, like you're going to have heart surgery. What are you doing? And my response was, well, I have to keep on living. You know, there were a lot of unknowns. I didn't know what was going on with my heart. I felt like crap by this point. Um, But I had to keep on living. And so um, I, when I met with him and he said he would operate on me the next day, I thought, well, you can't do that. And I remember crying in that doctor's office with my husband and my parents around me and asking, why me and why now? And the doctor simply said, these sort of things never happen at convenient times. And he walked out of the room. Mm -hmm. And he said it very matter-of-factly, and at the time it seemed really insensitive to me. And in hindsight, I realized, I mean, he had done many of these surgeries, and no one probably ever thought that this was a, you know, whoever thinks it's a convenient time to have a major heart issue, right? Um, (laughs) And so... um, I remember Anike vividly kind of just continuing to push forward. I was taking care of my child. In fact, his his daycare teachers um, never knew anything was going on until I told them about a week before the procedure. Um, my my peers, my colleagues didn't know what was going on. Um, I continued to push through and I continued to work um, in my program, um, at my job, as a mother, as a wife, and then, um, and continued to interview for doctoral programs. And then once I was accepted, I decided 
well, I better reach out to these folks and let them know it's a chance I might not be able to start in August. You know, what can we do now? Um, And so I scheduled the surgery for that March over my spring break, and I went in on a Sunday, had the procedure that Monday. I came back home on a Saturday. And um, uh, about a month later, I was back part-time, pretty much doing the things that I had done. Um, But for me, there were lots of times of me just continuing to push through and persevere, but it was to one extreme. So while perseverance is really important, it's also important that we remember that sometimes it can be detrimental when we allow it to block us from our own emotional expression. And that's exactly what I was doing. I was pushing through. I was grinding. I was hustling, whatever you want to call it. Um, But I was persevering in spite of these challenges. Um, And it took one day for me. I had a triggering experience. um, And I locked myself in my bathroom, and I I just cried. Um, I cried, and I cried, and I cried. And it was so much that had been bottled up, so many emotions, so many questions. I mean, I was angry with God at some points, um, but so many questions um, that I, you know, I, I just cried. I didn't, I didn't know if I was going to be around to raise my kid, right? I didn't even know what was going on with my heart. Um, and mm-hmm. so I didn't know when I went in if it would be a valve repair or if it would be a valve transplant, which if they did a valve transplant, I would never be able to have kids again. And I always wanted to have more kids. And so there were just lots of unknowns. And I tell that story because I want people to understand that a range of emotions is always okay. It is normal. Um, bottling up emotions does not serve you well. And I know some people say, well, I just got to get it done. Yes, that's important. Mm-hmm. And it's also important that you show yourself grace and compassion and allow yourself to release that stuff because um, then we can yeah. show up better to those who we care about, but we can also show up better for ourselves. Um, and so, you know, after the surgery, um, I um, the healing process was another area that was really frustrating for me um, and devastating in a sense because I went ahead and I started my doctoral program that August of 2013 not realizing that my recovery really was going to take me a year, a year and a half. Um, mm-hmm. And it was it was really difficult. It was really difficult. So it was a lot of pushing through, but also a lot of understanding that, hey, I'm not going to compare myself and my trajectory to anyone else's around me um, because their story is not my story and their lived experience is not my lived experience. Right, right. And so, um, and what you were just saying is one of the things that I thought about is, you know, when you have all these things, when you have things happen while you're right in the middle of your journey, and it seems like it's a huge step back, one of the things that I always think about is that you can keep going, but sometimes you may have to, to, to shift. You have to do some shifting, and some things like, like, like with you with the doctor, doctoral program, some things have to wait. Some things have to be right. put aside, but but some people, I some people, the main thing I don't want people to do is think it's done. Like the, I right. okay, it's over. I can't do any of it. Maybe you can't do some of it now, but you know maybe in a year's right. time. But all of it still can get done as long as you're breathing. All of it still can get done, and so that's why I like about what you just what you just said is because that's what your mindset was. I may not be able to, but mm-hmm. I, all this stuff can be done, and I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I like that. And so when pursuing your passions, um, I've also found out that you can't stay the same. You know, as, as, you, go, mm-hmm. as you go on your journey, there's a transformation that happens. And I personally realize that you have to, of course, change your mindset in order to accommodate the drive necessary to succeed. And it also allows you to work towards your journey differently because you have you have to mm-hmm. you know you have to kind of push yourself in ways that you may not have done b- before. And so, and in addition to those kinds of things, what other transformations do you think people need to go through um, when they're actually going through their journey? One would would really be the. Um, trying to think of the best way to word this, 
But I guess I would say um, the art of self-examination. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes we get to the point where we um, engage in self-sabotaging behaviors. Um, sometimes we get to the point where we um, it, we are hypercritical of ourselves. Um, and those are kind of on one end of the spectrum. That's kind of where we are. Well, being hypercritical, I would say. We're just being too hard mm-hmm. on ourselves, right? But sometimes we engage in the self-sabotaging behaviors in which we, we underestimate ourselves and our capabilities or we procrastinate mm-hmm. to the point where we don't ever get the job done. Um, sometimes, you know, lots of times folks will, um, you know, not really be honest with themselves and take on more than they can handle. Um, mm-hmm. And that that's self-sabotaging in a, in a way, but then they are really upset with themselves and hypercritical of themselves when they don't get that long to-do list done, everything checked off of it, when really it was just unrealistic in the first place. So unrealistic goal setting, um, unrealistic timelines. And so the art of self-examination, um, really when I say that, what I'm saying is being honest with yourself um, about what behaviors you are engaging in or those you're not engaging in that are um, preventing you from being successful, preventing you from being able to accomplish your goals and your dreams and your and fulfill your passions. That is really key first. And you would not believe how many people really have not um, – and sometimes we just call it insight, um, but the, how many people just don't have that personal insight or haven't mastered that art of self-examination, and that really is what's keeping them from being successful. Um, mm-hmm. The other transformation I would say is, and this one is, is really like an epidemic I think nowadays, is mastering the art of saying no and being okay with saying no. Because sometimes what keeps us from fulfilling our own personal passion is that we're saying yes to everyone and everything else besides ourselves and besides our own passions. Um, That could be the church family who always needs you to serve on a committee. That could be your own immediate family um, because you're always the go-to for, for, you know, everyone's issues or for different different things. That could be your child, your children. Sometimes they have unrealistic expectations of their parents or they think that their parents' sole, you know, being um, um, is, is wrapped around being that their parent. And they need to realize that their mm-hmm. parents also have their own goals and dreams outside of them um, that, that are important. And so really, you know, it's this lack of balance almost, saying yes to everyone and everything else. Even a lot of people in Nikkei are really trying to um, fulfill their passions while working a full-time job so that they can fund their their livelihood and and not have to focus so much on that. Um, They're fulfilling their passions on a part-time basis, and I identify with those folks a lot. And what I would say for you is sometimes you just got to be realistic with your time frame and your timeline and your goals and don't ever feel like you have to hustle your way um, into success to the point of overexertion, to the point of um, you, you have lost all sense of self-care. Um, we become mm-hmm. so wrapped up into building these empires when we're just empty shells of ourselves or when we have strained relationships with the people who mean the most to us because we're so busy on kind of chasing this idea of success um, that we're burning out. We're burning out before we're ever really truly giving ourselves a, a chance to shine. That type of hustling mm-hmm. is toxic and it's unhealthy. Um, and so... Right. When I say kind of sitting with this art of, you know, being comfortable with saying no and not feeling bad about it, all that's wrapped up into that. When you are okay with saying no to the folks at your full-time job when they're trying to give you this extra project, or when you're okay with saying no and it's your time to clock out and someone needs one more thing done for you, or when you're okay telling your child, no, this friend can't stay tonight this weekend because I really have mapped out this time to work on my passion. Whatever that looks like for you, be okay with saying no um, and, okay. and, and, and not dwelling on it, you know, not ruminating right. on that, not, not giving other people that much power over you or your passion. So that, that was, would be 
two of my primary kind of transformations, just this idea of, of gaining insight or self-examination and, and the artist saying no so that you can really be able to balance um, all of your competing priorities in life. We're, we're going to have competing priorities. It's just a fact. Um, but balance right. is key. If you can believe it, we only have 15 more minutes left in the show. It goes by wow, so fast. this has really felt like a conversation. This is awesome. And so what I want to do, I really liked when I went on to your um, page and you had um, your website and you had a particular quote on here and I just loved. It came from your Exhaustion is Over blog and that says, I have to stop blurring the line between commitment and self-endangerment because too many people are burning out because they had a true, truly had a chance to shine. I just love yeah. that. I just love that. Yeah. So you definitely, that, that, that's just perfect. And so being that we only have a few more minutes um, left in the show, and I, I have about, uh, I, don't even, I won't even tell you how many questions I had. <laughs> I still have that, so you have to come back because <laughs> I have a lot more questions for you. But um, one of the things that um, you had, and I just want to touch on this because I've, because I've talked about this before, is that you had a vision board party called the See, Believe, and Achieve Extraordinary Vision Board. And um, I just think that vision boards are so important because a lot of times, you, if, you, if you're not looking at it, how do you know what you really want? You know, it, it's like we have it in our heads, but you need to actually see, put it down on paper and see that this is where I want to be. This every day, look at it, look at it, look at it. And so um, are you going to have another one of these vision board parties? <laughs> We are still planning to have a vision board party. And, and in fact, I probably will try to plan one yearly um, depending on, um, you know, depending on interest. Um, but mm-hmm. you're right, it really is important for people to be able to not only see what their goals are, but to speak over their goals and to speak over themselves. There's something really powerful about when we really tell ourselves that this will happen. Um, and, and, and not only can you see it, but you start speaking it. Because once we see it and we start speaking it, we start living like it's true. Um, right. You know, I've heard of people who quit their full-time jobs, but the way that they got to that point was they start walking in every day declaring that they would be able to leave that job or declaring mm-hmm. that they would be able to start that business that would flourish. Um, I've, mm-hmm. I've, you know, I've spoken over myself and over my child many times, and, in fact, I do it daily. Um, but there's something really powerful about speaking over ourselves. Um, yes. And it's psychologically really powerful, um, but also I think it's really powerful in terms of just what it, when we put those things in the atmosphere, what we're able to accomplish. And then there's something right. also equally as powering when we start doing that collectively in the UK, when we start getting together mm-hmm. with like-minded, motivated individuals who have these goals yeah. and dreams, um, whether they're business or personal related, but we start speaking collectively um, and yeah. about our goals and our dreams and our hopes for ourselves. Um, and we start encouraging and empowering one another. Yeah. And that leads me to a shout-out to our, the ladies that crush it, Crush It Co., if, if yeah. you're listening, hello, ladies. Yes, yes, Sabrina Robinson, if you're listening, hello, hello. Recently celebrated her 40th birthday. And, that's um, right. And you're right. Yes, and you're right, because that's it's so important. We can go in and we can kind of we can kind of weigh things with each other. We can put polls, what do you think about this, what do you think about that? And um, we can kind of balance balance ourselves, you know, balance the way we think about things and and get feedback from other people who have done it before, and we can grow together at the same time. So you're absolutely right about that. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, we uplift yeah. one another, encourage one another, and then we can serve as accountability partners for one another. Um, mm-hmm. I used to think, you know, I'm, I, I motivate myself. I don't ever need anyone to hold me accountable. And that was true at some points in my life. But as life has become busier and more hectic, it's been nice to have other women um, who 
Um, I can trust um, we're going to check in with one another about whatever goals we said we were working towards, and we're going to check in and we're going to be honest with one another about what we've gotten done, what we haven't gotten done, um, what else do we need to do, how can we go back to the drawing board, and we're going to hold one another accountable. And I really don't want to disappoint those women, and they don't want to disappoint me, and so we we stick to whatever those personal goals are that we've set for ourselves. And this is, getting that kind of support, because that's another thing that we talk a lot about on this show, is, is just supporting one another. And it, isn't it, when you have that kind of support, it's great for your own mental health, right? That's right. It is awesome for your mental health. It is unrealistic to think that we can, um, you know, carry all of our boat burdens on our own, right? And so... Right. While I know you may not want to think about your goals and dreams as being burdens, um, sometimes all the tasks that accompany those goals and dreams can become burdensome and can become stressors. And so when we think about Mm -hmm. having a release or having an outlet of people, um, a support system or a tribe um, behind us to not only motivate us, to encourage us, but to check on us, um, to mm-hmm. to hold us accountable to take care of ourselves, um, that really is key for our mental health. It helps us to not feel so isolated. Um, being connected with people um, is is great for our mental health. Absolutely, absolutely. Now we are down to the last eight minutes and forty seven seconds of the show. This time goes by way way too fast. And what I wanted to do is. Because somebody that's listening may be thinking, you know what, I think I need to go to a mental health counselor, but I don't want people to think I'm crazy. So help people understand what this really is. Yeah. So this one's kind of tough because you don't have to be mentally ill to see a counselor. I'll say that again. You do not need to be mentally ill to see a counselor. You can go and see a counselor anytime you're dealing with stressors, anytime you're dealing with any issues that you feel like you've been keeping bottled up, that you feel like you would love to hear um, someone's objective um, take on those issues, whether those are individual issues or couples issues or family issues. Um, You can go to a counselor anytime you just need to process something. Okay, Um, and so that counseling in those scenarios might look like a few sessions. It might look like, um, you know, a few sessions to start out and then some kind of periodic check-ins over a month that you schedule kind of far out in advance and you have them on the books in case you need them. That's one idea of counseling, and a lot of folks don't realize that, right? But then there's also kind of, folks who have um, diagnosable mental illnesses or um, dysfunction within their family unit or relationship that really um, in order for those relationships to be sustainable, in order for those people to really be able to live healthy lives and to be optimally well, they really do need therapy. Now, they may indeed need therapy and medication and medication management, but they really do need therapy, um, and that therapy needs to be consistent therapy. And so those are people who may, you know, be diagnosed with something like anxiety or generalized anxiety disorder, but they may also be folks who are diagnosed with more severe types of anxiety like phobias or more serious mental illnesses like major depressive disorder or schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. Um, And so I like for people to understand that Almost anyone, in fact, my grandmother said it perfectly well. My grandmother is 82, getting ready to be 83. She said it perfectly well um, not too long ago. Everybody can use somebody to talk to. And when she said that, it really stuck with me as, you know, and she was saying no matter how old you are, if you've lived long enough, you're going to encounter some situations that um, really rock you, really shake you, or really cause you to question who you are or question your purpose here or question life, right? Um, And you may Mm -hmm. need to process that with someone. And it's healthy to be able to do that. Um, It is um, 
um, you know, one of the best ways I think we can invest in our own self-care. The other thing I'll say about therapy is um, sometimes we tend to think of therapy as being um, really just something that we can do for ourselves. Um, And I like to caution people against thinking that way. Because, yes, while it is important that you can uplift yourself, you can encourage your children, you can motivate your spouse, you can be a support person or a confidant for them, it's important to understand that once we have established relationships with people, our judgment and our kind of idea of their issue and what's going on with them is somewhat clouded by our personal relationship with them. And so anytime you can have an objective person who is not only objective but is trained, Um, in mental health issues. They are mental health professionals. They have the training and expertise in that area. Um, It's always better to kind of err on that side of it. Um, Mm -hmm. And then finally, I tell people who are questioning whether or not they can do this, um, whether it's because of financial reasons or other reasons, I tell people this. Um, We oftentimes will pour money into our uh, physical upkeep. So whether that, you know, is our hair or our makeup or our nails or, um, you know, clothing, um, we will pour money into those things. And if we really think about what it could mean in terms of um, making a small investment into our mental health, the benefits there are far greater than they ever will be as a result of a manicure or as a result of um, a new outfit. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you can reap more benefits, more sustainable, long-term benefits, um, more than likely if you seek therapy um, versus if you seek kind of making yourself feel good by buying those other things or making those other purchases yeah. or investing in those other services. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we're going to have to leave it there because we are down to the last three minutes of the show. And we have said so much, and you're definitely coming back because we have so much more to talk about. But I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today and providing such great information. I I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you having me, and I'm going to be listening in to your show, and I think you're doing a a great job with engaging the community and your listeners. Take care, Nikkei. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, that was Candace F. Jackson of Thomasville Counseling, Coaching, and Consulting. That was an amazing conversation. I hope that you had a chance to listen to it. If you didn't get a chance, um, I will definitely be posting the replay because she said so much, especially for those who are doing a lot of different things, and you need that help because something really drastic has happened in your life. Really go back and listen to what she was saying as far as what happened to her in that same instance because you can pull a lot out of what she just said. So you have been listening to Journeying the Passion with me, Anika S., on Everyday Folks Radio, and my amazing, insightful guest, Candace Epps Jackson. Please, please go to her website, www.tc3online.com. Follow her on Instagram at, at tc3online. And check out her Facebook page, Thomasville. Make sure you put in Thomasville Counseling, Coaching, and Consulting. Remember, tomorrow, tune in to BJ Speaks at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear his Paranormal Hour. And keeping up with K-pop every other Friday right here on Everyday Folks Radio. And don't forget... You can get all the information that I was talking about earlier, including the information to help the the storm victims on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash journeying the passion with an EKS. And make sure you keep up with me on my blog, nukmadison.com. When pursuing your passions, transformation is inevitable. You can simply cannot stay the same while you're moving ahead in life. So when tough time comes around, don't allow it to provide excuses to stop your journey. You may have to make some shifts and some changes, but you, ha- and, but you have to take care of yourself mentally and physically while you keep going. Tough times will eventually end, so make sure that your journey continues.
And don't forget, next week, Cheryl Mullen, we're going to continue this transformation series because not only are we transforming our, our minds, but we're transforming our bodies. And Cheryl is going to help us because the holidays are coming and you know that's going to be difficult. So if you want to keep up that momentum, come back next Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. As always, I wish you great success on your journey into your passion. Have a great weekend.